Hey there, Pastor Mark here. It's our prayer that this message would encourage and equip you in your relationship with Jesus. We're able to provide this content due to the joyful generosity of our financial partners. And if you'd be willing to join that tribe and help get some sermons like this around the world, you can donate at harvestbaptist.info slash give. God bless. But I want us to read together a little portion of the Christmas story. I was grateful that we read some of it already from Luke. And Luke gives the account of Mary and Zacharias and the shepherds. But Matthew gives us the account from Joseph's perspective. And I want us to read this little snippet of Christmas from Joseph's perspective. But I want us to see three spirits of Christmas and three lessons that they teach us. So if you would, we'll put it on the screen for you. Look with me at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when at his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of, listen to this, the Holy Ghost. There's spirit number one. Spirit number one in the Christmas story is the Holy Spirit, or as the text says, the Holy Ghost. Coming with a lesson, like right from the onset of the story of Jesus, a very simple but a very critical lesson. It is one of the essential truth claims of Christianity that Jesus was not just another child or another boy. Jesus was, in fact, God, God in the flesh. This is something that is so part and parcel of the Christmas story that Jesus is conceived not by a human father, but this is a miracle. This is the incarnation. This is God in the flesh with us. You say, well, I don't know that it says that. It just says that the Holy Ghost, you know, made this child. It doesn't say necessarily that it's God. Well, if you would keep reading, verse 22, four verses later, says it very overtly, one of the clearest claims of divinity in all the Bible for the Lord Jesus it says, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Not metaphorically, not figuratively, but literally, God in flesh, God with us. If you don't understand this part of the Christmas story, you literally don't understand the Christmas story. <laughs> you can come to a service like this and you can sing carols and you can have presents and you can enjoy some of the festivities that make up the holiday, but you really are not celebrating Christmas unless you first understand that Christmas is about God being with us. It's God coming into flesh. It is Emmanuel this lesson that the Holy Ghost made Jesus in Mary's womb is, is miraculous. You say, well, that's too miraculous for me. Well, it sets the stage for the whole life of Jesus. Like his, his whole life is miraculous. He goes about performing miracles, walking on water, healing people. He raises from the dead. He dies to atone for the sins of the world. Like, how does that work? Well, it's miraculous. This idea that there is something supernatural or something divine or something special about this story is the Christmas story. It is the miraculous, but it leaves people in a pickle sometimes because I meet people occasionally who want to celebrate Christmas and enjoy the songs and come to services like this, but they don't want to lean into the supernatural. 
They want to have a Jesus who's like good and a Jesus who teaches some wise things and he has some decent things to say about ethics or money or how you should live life, but they want to straddle the fence and treat it as though he's just a dude, like he's just another guy. He's, he's just one more prophet pointing to God. And the Christmas story is Jesus is not another prophet pointing to God. He is the God to whom the prophets pointed to, which was the whole point of verses 22 and 23. The prophets prophesied about this, that God would be with us. And you cannot come to Jesus and have this lukewarm, like, I sort of want to hitch my wagon to him response. That's not Jesus. And if you read his story... When people come into contact with him, Jesus is like this giant cue ball who just breaks up the old patterns, who sends people flying in all kinds of directions, that when he comes in contact with you, you do not remain static. Like you go flying in one direction or another. And sometimes people went to like get out my pitchfork and let's try to kill him because he's saying that he's God. Sometimes people ran away in fear. Other times they bowed down and they worshiped him. But no one had a tepid response to Jesus. It was always an extreme response because his story is one that demands an extreme reaction. It's an extreme claim that God is in fact with us. But then you see the second spirit introduced in the story. Not the Holy Spirit, but verse number 19, you meet the angel spirit. It says, And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he was not willing to make her marry a public example, but was minded to put her away privily or privately. So Joseph and Mary are engaged. Mary is now pregnant, she's told Joseph. And Joseph can do one of three things. Number one, Carry on like all is well, merrier. Number two, the other extreme is that he can take her publicly and declare like she has been unfaithful to me and she would experience the full extent of the law. Generally speaking, that was a stoning, like this was death. Or there was a middle ground where I can be done with this, but I can put her away privately and not make a public example of this. Maybe she can go off to some other community, birth the baby, get up for adoption, come back. No one knows. She can kind of take the scarlet letter and not wear it so brazenly. And, and we can just try to smooth this over. And in Joseph's mind, he wants to smooth it over, it says. Verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Now, what are angels? Angels are, according to the Bible, quote, God made angels ministering spirits. They're spirits. Here comes this ministering spirit and said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is, in fact, of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes God's plan is not easy and it's scary. Fear not, Joseph, take her. Verse 21, she'll bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is, that's very fitting. The name Jesus literally means uh, the Lord is our Savior. So we're going to call him Jesus, the Lord is our Savior, because he's going to save the people from their sins. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bid him. And he took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Here's lesson number two. The angel spirit comes and teaches us that sometimes, not sometimes, really all the time, you have to have the courage to unhand your life. 
when you come across God, I don't know what exactly it will be, but there will be something that you are holding on to that you will have to let go. It could be as simple as your pride. It could be sin. It could be your plans. I don't know what it would be, but I can say what happened to Joseph will happen to you. Joseph had a plan. I got married. We're going to get married. I don't know exactly what he had in store, but it wasn't this. It wasn't her having Jesus in her womb. It wasn't like his life going completely off track. Like This is so off script for him. And all of his friends are likely going to not believe him. Like, what if your friend told you that, oh, you know, my, my girlfriend, she's pregnant, but it wasn't me, and it wasn't anybody else, it was God. You're going to be like, either, Joseph, you're real gullible, and she's been unfaithful, or you're just lying through your teeth to try to cover this up. Like, you should come up with a better story, bud. Like, this is not going to bode well for him in that culture. He is, he's going to lose out on so much. If you keep reading the story of Matthew, he actually has to flee to Egypt as a refugee as, as part of his story, which was not something that he had written in the script at all. But here is Joseph coming face to face with this decision of he can either unhand his life and give into God's plan or... He can choose to do it his own way. And, of course, we know the story. We know that he does, in fact, unhand his life. But if you read the Christmas story, it's riddled with people, riddled with people who are losing control. They're not out of control. They're not out of control because God's in control. But they are losing control. And I fear that sometimes we come to Christmas and we come to celebrate even if we tip our hat to the doctrine that Jesus is God, and I hope that you would because it's true. But oftentimes we can say Jesus is God, but then still hold very closely, cling to, be unwilling to unhand our own plans and our own life, and it doesn't work that way. If Jesus is in fact God, meaning he is stronger than you and wiser than you and better than you, and you are his follower. To be a Christian means I'm a follower of Jesus, meaning he's the leader. So if there's a God who is wiser and stronger and better than you, and he is the leader, it automatically assumes that you are in a position of submission and that you're saying, Jesus, I let go, and whatever you want for my life, I give in. It's yours. And he likely won't ask you to be the foster dad to the savior of the world. But he will ask you to do some things that are scary, that don't make sense on paper, that you don't enjoy or appreciate in the moment. And eventually you have to work up the courage to say, I'm going to let go. Christmas has to teach us that. Joseph had to let go. Zacharias had to let go. Mary had to let go. All of the characters in the story have to unhand their life and say, God, I give it over to you, and whatever you want, you call the shots. You say, I don't, I don't like that. It feels like suicide of the will. I know. But it is best for you if you crawl out of the driver's seat, over into the passenger seat, or even in the back seat for that matter, and say, God, you get to drive. And I would encourage you if you would call yourself a Christian, or perhaps 
you are toying with the idea of becoming a Christian and you're seeking and you're searching and you're asking questions, I would encourage you to understand that you cannot come into Christianity while still maintaining control and saying, I get to call the shots and it gets to go my way and we get to do what I want to do. That's not how it works. Intimidating, yes. But the best option, yes. Every adventure is scary at the start. And when it comes to Christmas, you have to understand that Jesus is God, that he is Lord, and that he gets to be in, in charge, and you have to start the adventure of his lordship, of letting go and saying, whatever you want, that's what you get to do in my life. So my encouragement to you this Christmas season would be to cut through some of the nostalgia and some of the sentiment and understand that if you really want to follow Jesus, or you really want to celebrate Jesus, or you really want to worship Jesus, it means declaring that he is in charge and you, in fact, are not. It's interesting in the story, Joseph not only has to now have a very off-script life, deal with kind of the public shame of Mary's with child and, and this isn't from me and trying to explain this to friends and family and everybody. He ends up being a refugee. He doesn't even get to name the kid. You notice that? In that culture... Naming a child was, was the parental responsibility that fell to the husband or the patriarch. I know that in our culture, generally that's different, and I'm curious to know, I'm going to do a survey. When it came to naming the kids, either the wife kind of led the charge, and she, when push came to shove, I'm birthing the baby, I'm going through the torment, and I, I get the final say, or the husband kind of had final say, and you know, it's, it's uh, whatever, Bob the Sixth, or you, you name the kid. Or there was a group, you know, effort, okay? So how many of you would say, raise of hands, with our kid, the wife was in the driver's seat. She really had the naming power. Raise of hands, let, let's see that. How many would say he was in the driver's seat, he really had the naming power? How many was a group effort? All right, mostly a group effort. I can remember with our second born, Willow, that we did like some crowdsourcing on the name. We were, my wife and I were teaching a small group, a, a couple's group, and as we were pregnant, like every week we would come with our new name ideas, and the group would vote on them, and we would get their input. They didn't end up choosing, but we wanted to like bounce it off of them, and it was, it was a fun time. In that culture, dad named the kid. That's how it was. But Joseph doesn't even get that right. You're going to be a father to this kid. It's going to be very off script, and you don't even get to pick the name. We're picking the name. The name is Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. What's the point? The point is that Joseph had to let go. He had to have tremendous courage to do it too. Spirit number three is the Christmas spirit. And on this one, I don't mean spirit as in the Holy Spirit or in it as an angel spirit. I mean the real sense, the tone, the essence of what Christmas is all about. What is the spirit of Christmas? And you find it in verse number 21. Mary is going to bring forth a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And here's the lesson. Anyone who wants to say Jesus is God has to say I follow him and he's in control. But also has to understand that Christianity at its core is about sacrificial service. From the onset, the lesson is Jesus will save his people from their sins. Now, of course, what was not immediately clear to Joseph is clear to us. 
Joseph didn't know exactly how that was going to unfold or what all this meant. But we, of course, know that Jesus is going to live a perfect life. He's going to die a sacrificial substitutionary death on a cross. He's going to raise from the dead. And his mission was always a mission of sacrifice. His mission was always a mission of service. His mission was always a mission of salvation. Which is why the angel said unto the shepherds, and I love that, that Justin and his daughter read that together, that they said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It was always about Jesus coming in sacrificial service to save his people from their sins. And that is the marching orders for those that want to truly follow Jesus. And I don't know how you're sacrificing this Christmas season or how you're serving this Christmas season, but I would encourage you to take inventory and ask yourself, am I sacrificing and am I serving? Because that is the MO. That's how Christians are supposed to live. Christianity is not about you having a nice little middle-class Christian life with nice little middle-class Christian kids and going to a nice little middle-class Christian church and having everything buttoned up and everything being just, just real clean and nice and pretty. Christianity is about you choosing to sacrifice and to serve other people because you know a Savior who did that for you. To go to others who are marginalized, to go to others who are on the outskirts of society, to go to others that are, that are hurting, that need your money, your time, your commitment, your love, your sacrifice. And to say, I will give it gladly and willingly because someone sacrificed and served me and saved me, so I will return the favor, I'll pass it down. This is why I love sharing a little bit about Shop with the Heroes last week or the team that went and did the, the Thanksgiving meal at Need Cafe. Or I could go on and on about stories even over the last three months from our church of people choosing to sacrifice and to serve. Because truly that was what Jesus did. That is the spirit of Christmas. My favorite Christmas carol. I have a lot of favorite Christmas songs, but in terms of carols, my favorite is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It is just so rich with theology that every time I read it, I feel like I, I, or sing it, I learn something new. But there's this little line in Hark the Herald Angels Sing that says, Mild, he lays his glory by. Meaning that Jesus is setting to the side like glory. Now, ultimately, more glory comes his way post-cross and resurrection, but he is setting aside glory. He is emptying himself, and he is choosing to humble himself and become a man, a man obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What is that other than sacrificial service? So here's my challenge to you. First of all, you've got to locate yourself in one of two buckets. Bucket one, Jesus is God. I am his follower I love Jesus, I'm a Christian. Bucket two, that's not me. I've, I'm open to the concept that Jesus is God, maybe. I am curious about following him, but like I'm, I'm not his follower right now. So if you're in bucket one, please cut through some of the sentiment this Christmas season and have the courage to unhand your life like a Mary, like a Joseph, like anyone in the Christmas story. And truly follow him 
You say, what would I do if I followed him? Well, start with some sacrificial service and giving of yourself for others. If you're in bucket number two, then at least wrestle with the bold claim that Jesus is not your average Joe Schmo. He is God in the flesh come to save you from your sins. And if you have the courage to unhand your pride and to repent of your sin and put your faith in him, he will take you, he will be your Lord, he will be your savior, he will save you from your sins, but you have to declare him as Lord, you have to say you are God and I put my faith in you and in you alone. It doesn't work any other way. And I would ask you to at least consider hitching your wagon or putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.